everyone. You're listening to The Talent Revolution, where we believe that focusing on quality over volume and being different, not better, is the right way to hire the best humans and build stronger teams. To help you do this, I go behind the scenes with forward-thinking recruiters, employer brand experts, and people leaders making a huge difference to their organizations. I'm your host, Tom Hackwell, and in today's episode, I'll be speaking with Nathan Jefferson. Nathan's the founder of PeoplePipe and host of the Content Recruiter Podcast, as well as the upcoming Secret Recruiter Podcast. He's got a real wealth of experience in the talent acquisition space via a wide range of previous roles and has an epic perspective on the mistakes most orgs are making from a talent pipeline perspective these days. Super excited to dig into how teams should be evolving their recruitment efforts, so let's just go do that. Nathan, thanks for your time today, mate. My pleasure. It's good to be here, Tom. Cool. So, I mean, I've given the world's shortest intro, but it would be great to kind of get a bit of background on you and your experience in the space. Sort of what's brought you to where you are and what are you doing at PeoplePipe now? Yeah, so very, very quick whistle-stop tour of, of my career so far. So used to work in promotional merchandise. A friend came back from London, jumping up and down, saying, hey, you should get into recruitment because if you make a, a hire, you want to see the fees that come out of the other side. And so at <laughs> 21, we launched an agency in the hospitality space. And uh, yeah, it was a car crash time. I can't lie. It was just basically two young guys doing anything but recruitment at that time. And, and so we transitioned, or I transitioned a couple of years later into uh, like a freelance recruitment role. So going in-house to help teams for uh, for a few years before, um, ended up launching PeoplePipe. So it's been, I guess, a mix of agency and in-house life for me so far. Makes sense. And so you talk about launching PeoplePipe. What's the angle with that? What are you doing differently versus everybody else in the space? Yeah, so we, um, we've got a few sort of theses on how recruitment is today and what it should potentially look like in the future. And I think from my time in this space for over the last 10 years, there's been way too much focus on transactional reactive hiring, both from an agency perspective, but also in-house. I mean, it's kind of, it's funny when, when in-house teams use agencies, they're basically getting the same level of execution mm-hmm. and so yeah we, we i wanted to launch people pipe as, as a way to help in-house teams to drive more attention to their i'd say employer brand but more attention to their business essentially and so the idea behind this is you connect with candidates more you give them more insight at the top of the funnel and, and they're ultimately going to self-convert and they're not going to have to go through that process of having recruiters sending really spammy messages into their inbox so recruiters in this model essentially become like content marketers, they're trying to help candidates solve their career challenges. They're talking about technology. They're talking about technical, non-technical stuff. And, and hiring managers essentially become the subject experts to enable that, that conversation to happen. And so the view that I'm taking on this is, is recruiters almost need to think like marketers these days and take that, that content marketing approach and actually try and become a little bit more invisible whilst the subject experts are delivering the key messages to market and to help drive that that talent pipeline. No, I mean, that's awesome. And I think that we've all kind of seen this, hopefully, well, hopefully we've all seen this kind of industry trend of recruiters becoming more like marketers and, and mm. more like content marketers nowadays, which is awesome and makes a lot of sense, I think. And, you know, realistically, we're going to spend the rest of the pod today talking about those things and trying to give people a bit of a I don't know, set of guide rails on how to go do that for their own organizations. But like, let's start with that kind of core transition. Like how much appetite have you seen from the recruiters you've spoken to, to actually go on that transition? You know, it's a big step, right? Most of them have signed up to do this thing called recruitment and they don't necessarily correlate that with marketing activity historically. What does that kind of look like? Yeah. So if we step back from that for a second, I feel like, so the reason this thing happening and the reason we decided to kick this thing off is because we started seeing changes as to how people discovered opportunities. 
So it was never really about how recruiters execute. It was more really about how the people that they're trying to hire started to discover opportunities. And so I don't know about you, Tom, but whenever I've been through these moments in my career where I've been unhappy in a role, like the last thing I do is then go home and want to scroll through Indeed yeah, and look, yeah. <laughs> and look at roles. It's, it's highly likely that when people get home after a crap day at work, yeah, they might put a bit of focus on a career search, but I'd say it's highly likely that they're probably scrolling through Facebook or TikTok trying to have that little moment of escapism or they're getting home to see the family and the kids after a tough day. And the last thing you want to talk about is is work. And so that was the thing that that drove this whole thing. And, and in terms of like adoption of TA teams at this point, it's, like, it's tough. It really is. I mean, TA teams don't look beyond this this world of job boards and going cold outbound. I mean, the, the most innovation that I'm seeing flowing through TA at the moment is trying to fail these scaling, uh, sorry, scale these failing models. So mm-hmm. you've got, for example, recruiters throwing messages at on LinkedIn, going cold outbound, and, and then they're trying to replicate that model with like some automation software. So we're not Great. getting responses yeah. from cold outbound. And so they're just layering additional messages on top of the messages that aren't getting responses. Yeah. They might throw a couple of GIFs in there. Well, <laughs> it's not enough. <laughs> it's yeah. just not working. And so the adoption element is tough, but the trend that I'm seeing is like recruiters are just making more noise than, than ever, irrelevant noise in, in people's inboxes, and, and they're finding it as tough as ever to to hire so it's got to happen at some stage it's got to be a stage where we say that this is a breaking point we can't keep operating in this way um i think what we're seeing at the minute is just more and more recruiters being stacked on top of each other in-house to try and to try and stem that flow and make more hires but it's not the sustainable way to to build this thing out Uh, yeah i think that's super interesting right You, you know you talk about this notion that people are sort of scaling crap basically bluntly right like they're, they're, they're running these outbound campaigns they're running you know they'll, they'll do 100 linkedin outbounds and get one response and go right well the right solution is not to work out how to get five responses it's actually to just send hundred thousand messages and not a hundred and it's interesting and you say you know you talk about layering on automation stuff like that like we see the negative longer term ramifications of that play out in the market where organizations have done this very kind of short-sighted let's scale stuff that doesn't work because it will still give us some short-termism. Yeah. And they end up just burning through the whole market, right? And like candidates wield all the power. And what happens is they go fix this stuff and they hire new people and they deploy new tools and processes, but they've already pissed off every potential candidate in their pool of talent, right? And this is this is a thing though, isn't it? If you're looking at hires and you are measuring your recruiter success on like two to four hires a month, yeah. these tactics that we're talking about that we think are, are not a nonsense, yeah. they work. Yeah. Because the business is looking at it and go, well, this recruiter has made four hires this month. What an outcome. <laughs> I mean, like you say, they've pissed off 3,000 people getting there. Yeah. Or they've not had any impact at all, which is another brand touch. And if that person is a fan of your consumer brand, then actually you might have just created a little bit more irritation along the way, which are all these things that I don't think recruitment teams are thinking about. Yeah. But the emphasis is just on this volume game. And it, it, it's just, uh, I think when you see that over the last 10 years, the emergence of, of social platforms and you see how people are spending their time to discover things now, and then you see how recruiters are executing on these platforms rather than actually using their the features to drive value and create conversation and do all these great things mm-hmm. to see them being used to just drive cold dms is it's kind of sad to see it is super sad right and that's <laughs> it's and just it's interesting. But it, what's interesting to me right is and it's a fair point you're saying you know if your goal is to hire two people or four people a month 
your 3000 person outreach strategy probably does deliver in theory, mm-hmm. right? If you not, don't look too closely, it probably does deliver. I think it's interesting, obviously, like we've seen COVID and I don't want to get into COVID, right? But we've seen COVID play out this like massive talent mobility shift. And we've seen everybody have more choice than they've ever had from a candidate perspective and from an employer perspective. And I wonder how long it'll still work. Do you know what I mean? I wonder how long with the choice that candidates have and the sort of pool of available employment opportunities increasing sort of linearly for everybody i wonder if that strategy dies a natural death anyway i guess the question is just how quickly are people going to transition to the new thing yeah i don't know there's two interesting conversations that that i'm seeing developing so i've been publishing content on linkedin for like three months now consistently almost daily now the more you put out the more messages you get from recruiters saying hey, this is resonating with me. I am exhausted at the moment. Like we joke about it and we joke about the crap tactics and how it's pretty poor to not be leveraging different social platforms and stuff. But there's a couple of real big issues that I think recruitment leaders aren't paying attention to at the moment. And that is recruiter burnout, which is happening. Like you get Mm -hmm. messages daily from recruiters saying, it's really tough at the moment. I'm working longer hours. I'm doing 14 hour days. I'm making calls outside of you know, working hours I've got. There's one guy who reached out to me the other day who's just had a kid and he's gone back from parental leave after like a week because it's just absolute chaos where he's working at the moment. So he's having to dive into his, his laptop. Like these are very real things. Like mm-hmm. go measure the outcome of those. Go measure that as a metric. You know, you stick to your two, four hours if you like, but go measure how your people actually feel in, the, in this environment at the moment. And then the other thing, Tom, which I don't think TA leaders are paying any sort of attention to is it's okay making these like two to four hires a month going cold outbound and everything looks great you're hitting your targets but how much insight do those people who are joining your business actually get before they join the business mm-hmm. because if it's like there's this emergence of 72 hire at uh, 72 hour hiring at the moment if they're joining after one cold message they're going through a hiring process in the space of a week how much insight can they actually get so on day one who are they going to be working with? Who are they sitting next to? What's the roadmap? Like all this stuff that doesn't get discussed in any great detail during the interview process because it's two mm-hmm. egos sat across the table. Yeah. Like people need to know that shit. Like they have to know it to make the right call. And so those are the two big things that are causing me most concern at the moment. And the reason why I think recruiters need to like, adopt this model quickly. Again, it just makes those a sense. And I think the point that you make about that short form hiring cycle and just candidates not having the information they need to make proper decisions is really important. Like our entire recruitment marketing message is here's all the reasons you shouldn't work for us because it's hard and it's long and we have customers all over the place and it's miserable. And like literally we are just there to disqualify ourselves. But when we do disqualify ourselves, that works wonders because we spend only time really with people who actually are a good fit for us. And it means that we've put enough content out there in the marketplace that by the time we actually have a conversation with the candidate, our hiring process might take four days, but there was three months before that where they drip, were drip fed 100 pieces of content and they read 10 of them and they kind of understood what we stand for and what we work and how we do things. And like, there's, we have very little attrition, right? But like, to your point, I imagine that we're going to see this like long form ramification in terms of your three-day hiring cycle in, in just attrition, right? And like, that's good for nobody. And it'll be interesting to see some data on that when something becomes available. Yeah, it, it definitely will. Attrition is is one, but actually performance. Like, have you ever mm-hmm. been in that position where you're in a job where you're just like, I just can't be here anymore. And you sit there at your desk for like two months, just not yeah. delivering anything for the business, <laughs> poisoning the rest of your office with the negativity. It's and real. Is, it's real. These things are happening. And so yeah. like, you know, we, we, we can 
I don't know, and I just we we can we can keep on this road of just like banging out hires quickly and going, yeah, we've made another hire today, but or we can do it properly. And at the minute, it's not being done very well at all. So let's dig into that, right? What does properly yeah. mean? You know, you talk about you're critical of reactive hiring, and and I, frankly, I'm in that boat with you. But like, what's the answer? What does good look like? So we've seen some really interesting things developing over the last twelve months. I should probably take you back to the start of 2021 where we made a really conscious decision to get rid of job boards. And so all of our advertising spend disappeared from, from job boards and we committed everything into, into social. So mainly um, Facebook, there was sorry, YouTube as well, and, and Instagram were the three core channels that we, or platforms that we went with. And really the intent there was to give as much educational content away for people in our space just to see what would happen. So for the first three months, all we were doing was positioning subject experts to give away content. So they would host things like events, they would post on LinkedIn. We launched two podcasts for two specific technologies just to see what would happen. And from those podcasts, we created things like micro content to distribute onto onto different platforms. Mm -hmm. So all these things are, are going on. The focus has suddenly moved from like no more sourcing, no more cold outbound, no more job boards, and basically social is going to fill the, the, the funnel for us. And the results were just were, were crazy. Like We made more hires than we knew, or we had more candidate data flowing through that we literally knew what to do with. And then the really interesting outcome of this is that the more members and people that signed up to things like episodes of podcasts, the show, mm -hmm. they would just bring their audience as well. And so it then became a, a process of, you're almost creating like this army of advocates outside of the business that are becoming your recruiters. And it was a bit of an unintentional outcome for us. Like we wasn't, that was never part of the strategy, but you can see the data, like you're speaking to members and they're saying, oh, I posted this episode in this Slack community. And then you would see like another 50 people flow through from this yeah. random source, which Google would attribute to like Google search. But in reality, yeah. it was never the case. So, you know, all this stuff's going on and all these things are, are happening as an outcome of just trying to drive more attention and awareness and give value first. And, and I know that's a pretty ambiguous term in terms of give value, but when you start to segment that down to, if you're using a TA context and you've got a CTO that's got a deep understanding of your core technologies, so you know, Python or JavaScript or whatever you're using in, in the business, like lean on that CTO to deliver these micro events or lean on the senior engineers to deliver these events for people outside of the business. It's almost like reversing that learning and development team to a degree mm -hmm. so that's the that's the framework that we used before kicking off i'd recommend that recruiters think about doing a lot of research a lot of audience research first to actually understand the challenges of the people that they're trying to hire and understand who they're good for like you made that point earlier tommy if you have to understand like what value you bring into people before you make that decision as to whether you want to you want to hire them and, and that's really got to flow through all of your uh, through all of your content and copy but yeah, that's the model that we took and it's totally transformed how we do it. I, I genuinely, I think the odd occasion business may be in a reactive state. I don't think you can avoid it all the time. And so they may use a job board very, very occasionally, but mm -hmm. there are that many people now. I think the core sources are the content approach and then the referrals that come off the back of that. So what you're saying is kind of cut out the traditional reactive stuff, the job boards, the agencies, the kind of low-hanging fruit immediacy type things, and instead reinvest that time and budget in longer form kind of content creation, market education, and so on, and just see that pipeline build itself? Yeah. Is the, that right? Yeah, the first few months were hairy. So yeah. 
that's reckon, where I was going with this, right? Is like, yeah. how, what does that transitional process look like? And how do you kind of keep everybody chasing that North Star whilst you go backwards to go forwards? Yeah. And I think the key here is balance. I think if you, I wouldn't recommend if recruiters and recruitment teams are in this motion of cold, outbound, reactive state, don't just turn it off. There's got to be some some level of balance in the early days whilst you're figuring out things like messaging and, and personas and understanding which platforms you're good for and understanding who has the skills, like who's going to go edit the content, who's going to go chop it down, who's going to go create the micro clips. Like there's some things mm-hmm. in play that you really need to figure out. So I would recommend, depending on how big the recruitment team is, a small portion of that going to test this type of concept. Just start off with one or two subject experts. You don't need to chuck everyone in the business at this subject expert thing but just go test it with one or two for the roles that you're struggling to hire for go and speak to podcast hosts that are operating in a similar space to them go and get them podcast appearances go look at industry events go get them speaking events and just record everything that you can then redistribute across different platforms and repurpose across different platforms and i think that's a really good starting point and over three months you'll start to see some massive traffic flow so that's what you think. It's a kind of three-month investment to start to see things things trickle through, right? I really do. It's kind of funny, you know, I've been getting some pushback on this. I've seen it. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know how you feel about it, but there's this mentality that to build a brand, it takes six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. And I can never, like, I can never get on board with that thought process because there's too many variables. Like, the content delivery, the quality of the content, the messaging, like all these stuff are in play. You might build a huge audience after like four weeks if there's enough people mm-hmm. on it and the content's engaged enough. But then the other thing is about this is I think a lot of people say, you know, six to 12 months to build a brand, are probably just taking the organic route. Like there's an option to go paid with this as well and start to run some paid social campaigns to accelerate this. So that blog post, I think I saw a comment last week about a blog post that that took like 40 hours to a good blog post takes 30 or 40 hours to create. And then it mm-hmm. takes six to 12 months to be found by, to be found by Google. And, and I, I don't disagree. It probably does take that amount of time. It's not something we've tested, but it doesn't mean you can't accelerate it and get in front of more people. Yep. So you now for us, it was three months. So we started to see some significant traffic and around, I think the six month point, we overtook the numbers that were coming through from year on year from the previous year doing the conventional stuff. So but I imagine the quality of the you know numbers might be on parity, but I imagine the quality of your stuff since your content focused is much higher in terms of the caliber of those applicants and the fit of them and stuff like that as well, right? Yeah, so absolutely. And then the other thing to bear in mind here is because this sort of community of people is starting to be created now and they're bringing more people into the funnel is actually the spend starts to reduce as the content gets created. I mean, we don't need to keep investing money into social to keep bringing more and more people in. <laughs> It's just not what we need to do. So we can then go on that organic trail of, look, we've got this amount of people that are coming to events. The data's showing that more people are flowing through by referral. This number flowing is enough to keep this thing running and, and keep it interesting. So yeah, that short-term investment is is actually reducing the cost that we're putting towards in the future. And that'll ramp up again, Tom. You know, there's that sort of... Yings and yangs, doesn't it? Yeah, and, exactly, and, yeah. and we get that. I think like, what are you doing around like what, what we would call talent pipeline, right? So let's say... You know, you're doing all the, cra- the crazy good stuff you've just been talking about. You've got your podcasts and your video content, your educational blogs and all the other bits and bobs. And you've got me, lowly engineer, super interested in working for your business in some capacity. But 
maybe you've not got a role for me right now. Like, yeah. what are you doing to kind of keep me warm in that interim period? Is it just you're just sending that content out into the nether and hoping I continue to consume it and stay attracted to you guys? Or are you building pipelining? Are you doing emails? Are you gathering that data and putting it like, what's the advice for people going on that journey? So a few things. We are, the first thing that we aren't doing is talking about jobs. <laughs> like we we are not talking about vacancies. We've taken this view that people are smart enough to go find their own way. And we're seeing this trend developing where if they want to, if they like what you're talking about and they're connecting with your people through micro events and through the content they're distributing on platforms like LinkedIn, they'll find their way to the careers page because eventually they're going to be in the market looking for a role. And so when they're ready, they'll come to you. So it's kind of interesting. So it's it's almost, you know, when you speak to recruits about not positioning roles, it's a bit alien. It feels a bit weird, doesn't it? Because that's what, <laughs> that's what your job basically is. But mm-hmm. in terms of building the the strategy to keep people engaged, exactly that. So this idea, we've taken this this mindset that if they can follow us on three platforms and they're, they're fully in and they're, they're embedded into what we're doing and, and they're a fan, essentially. So if they are joining events, if they then sign up to a newsletter, if they then follow the CTO on, on LinkedIn, hypothetically, if that's a subject expert, then they're in and they're going to start to bring their audience along. But it's really led by by them, Tom, to be honest. like We're not forcing them down a, a funnel. We're not saying, hey, sign up to this to get exclusive content and not putting loads of gated forms in their direction. It's really them to lead the process. And so, you know, when they join an event, sure, they'll have access to future events. They'll connect with probably the CTO when he's publishing micro content on LinkedIn. And that's really as much as we're doing. And how do you think about, so like, I feel like it's kind of impossible to disagree with all the stuff you're saying, right? Like it, it all just makes sense. It's fairly like obvious in in hindsight, obviously. And People need to be doing these things. I think we all know everything's getting more competitive and they're going to be forced to do that eventually. How do you get back to the short-term versus the long-term stuff? And like I was going through your LinkedIn and seeing a lot of content and some of the great stuff you put out that I recommend people check out. But like you talk about this notion that people are always looking for the easy way out, right? They aren't willing to make those longer-term investments. You're seeing people scrape lists from meetups to go mass email people rather than build their own communities and things like that. How do you force people to kind of take this stuff seriously and go through that shift. You can test it. I mean, you don't need to start with this huge budget. And so if you're a recruiter sat there today who's feeling this feeling in the stomach of being burnt out and being tired and not wanting to go in and being under pressure, like you don't have to totally rip up the rule book today. But what I would say for any recruiter listening to this is go and grab a subject expert in the business, a part of the business where you're going to be hiring for over the next six months and just have a chat with them about some of the things that their team is struggling with, maybe technically or some industry changes that are coming up and just start testing like one or two events. It's the, the best way to do it. You know, Tom, I, I that from my own personal experience, creating content on LinkedIn for the last few months has been an hour a day at the most, mm-hmm. you know, the very most. Like, And I'm talking about editing within that as well. If you're averaging this time out over the course of a week, it's not a huge time investment. Like, You can do it and still do the crappy tactic stuff that you're running with today. Um, and so like, there's nothing, there's no, I'm trying to think of the, like, the cost investments to do it organically. Like, There really isn't that much cost. And there's still platforms out there that are giving you really good organic reach. LinkedIn's working. Like, In the last week, when I looked at the type of people who, consume my content and then followed me, you know, global employer brand leaders at some of the biggest brands that 
in the world that if I'd have gone the other way and said gone cold and just connected with them would never have even never even yeah. seen the request like they wouldn't yeah. they would never have paid attention you're talking like Lego EY big 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 brands Marriott that would never have looked at, at connecting with with just a guy who works in recruitment and so it just works I don't know what to tell people like we keep getting this pushback from recruitment teams but content works and so but the best thing that they should do is just go test it and then potentially I think like maybe start to address that imbalance between the amount of people working in recruitment versus the amount of people working in employer brand, maybe start to think about how they redistribute that budget and start to get more employer brand people in that mix. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. And, and I think the only thing I'd add to that, I guess, is just like the content stuff is awesome. And if you can do it, you should do it. And if you can't do it, you should find someone who can do it for you. But like, there's yeah. other ways to do that. And you, you yourself have talked about community building and local initiatives and things like that. Like we, here at pinpoint started a thing a long time ago now about six or seven years ago called the coding program because basically we are headquartered in a place called jersey there's very little technical talent here it's a lovely place to be but not a huge technical industry and so uh, we started a thing called the coding program it was a free night school right tuesday and thursday evenings you can come along and we'll teach you to code on a six months long course basically right ran that in every six months for seven years and we took people from sort of zero to hero and found them jobs in the local industry. Many of them not with us, some of them with us, though, right? But what it did is built us a talent pipeline. And obviously, it's good to give something back to the community. And it's a very rewarding initiative. And again, our developers enjoy teaching. It's good for kind of everybody in the ecosystem. But six or seven years later, a lot of the people that were on early coding program courses are now in very senior technical roles. All of them want to work here because of the goodwill and because of the skills, the stepping stone we gave them. We've got an infinite pipeline of entry-level technical people that want to work here, and there's no other choice in their mind. And it cost us, I mean, don't get me wrong, it cost us a lot of time, right? But it's literally cost us not a penny in actual money. And the, the, the value of that pipeline is like priceless now. And it doesn't have to be a coding. And like, again, our engineering people with respect to them would tell you that they aren't the best content creators and they don't want to be on a podcast and they don't want to do this, but they're happy to go teach people some Ruby on Rails. And the outcome of that is the best recruitment strategy we could possibly have in that team. And it saved us tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of fees, time, marketing budget, et cetera. Like it's easy. You just have to actually put the time and the effort in, right? And like the sooner you start, the sooner it's going to pay dividends. And in five years, everybody will be forced to do something like this. And it's going to be much harder. Yeah. You say it's easy. I think that's such a genius move. Like it just makes more. If you focus on the long term yeah. and you're saying, you know what, from this cohort of people, we aren't going to hire one of them for three years. And we know that and we're comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's the initial. But then they don't see the the upside that comes from the the word of mouth and the referral from the outside. Oh, we've joined yes. this, this boot camp, mini boot camp coding program mm -hmm. through Pinpoint. And then they mentioned it at a meetup that they've gone to, or they've mentioned it in the Slack community and everywhere. Like yeah. All the goodwill that creates, like all the yeah. stuff that you can't measure. And I think that's where it gets a little it's bit not quantifiable. Yes, it's not quantifiable. Good luck measuring it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, but, but to us, right, like there was 20 people on each coding program, 15 to 20 people on each program. So let's say we did 30 people a year. For six years, that's 180 people that now want to work with us that had a great experience because of us. That's 180 people doing 180 jobs at other technology companies working with other people that we'd also want to employ, talking positively about what we're doing. It's 180 people at different stages of their career progression journey that we can go and pull from and their extended networks whenever we want to do anything. It's invaluable. And it, it, it's 180 yeah. episodes of a podcast. Yeah, if you want, it, if, <laughs> done simultaneously, <laughs> right? And that's yeah. the thing. And I think like that's the point, right? It's just you have to think longer term about all of these things. 
And that's kind of how we try and do things and how we kind of win. Like we're not the best people at content. We try and disqualify ourselves and we produce a reasonable amount of it. But just be authentic and like own it and talk to people about what you're doing and actually try and give something back. Again, we used to like let everybody that wanted to host an event host it in our office and we'd pay for the drinks. Amazing. Literally cost us 100 quid or 250 quid for an event. But we had 100 people in our audience, like in our target audience, have a positive experience with our brand and see where they might work and see the people that they might be working with. Literally no time investment, right? Versus 20 grand on a LinkedIn seat. Absolutely, yeah. Or 600 pounds on a shit job board post that nobody wants to look at, right? (laughs) Like you just have to actually evaluate what's there and what's available. And I think people haven't done that enough but they're going to start having no choice because there's more people in market for the same pool of talent and that same pool of talent. Yeah. They all get in a hundred shit outbound messages every day, but they're also now starting to see your content and our content and other people's content. And they won't ever make it to indeed because they'll already have, as you said, enough choice. And you know, what's interesting on this time, because I think this strategy would basically drive enough pipeline for most companies to never have to go cold outbound again. Like that strategy mm-hmm. that you just gave would literally give you enough enough to go out and repurpose and create enough content for to literally never have to go outbound again. Yeah. So there's two things that people should think about. The first one is you might not have the people in the business that want to do the, the training and the development piece. Like they, they might be shy, they might not want to do it, they might be, I don't know, like a host of reasons. There are so many creators on YouTube who are literally creating this content right now that will mm-hmm. be happy to use your business as another point of distribution to get their stuff out there. So you could go and speak to a creator on YouTube, figure out the tech you want people to learn, and then just get them to create the content for you. And there might be a small cost. They might charge you like $500 a grand a month or something. But in terms of the cost that you put into TA right now, it, it's going to be much more effective. But also, didn't you find when you went through this process, the people that were creating content for your coding program had so much more purpose? Like they mm. wanted to actually do this thing. We've literally never looked like... Of all of the people involved in that initiative, every single one of them still works here and not a single one of them has ever expressed any desire to leave because it's more to them than just a job. And like, obviously, small sample size and caveats. Yeah. But like, yeah, they believe in what they're doing. It helps them improve their career. It's great for their CV for whenever they go do something else because they led an educational initiative building pipeline for developers, built their personal network and their personal brand. And again, we don't look at building our individual team's personal brand as like a retention issue. We think that's a massive value add and like a EVP piece, right? But the other thing I'll, I'll also just quickly mention is like sort of flying in the face of everything we've talked about so far. Hmm. We have a lot of data that says that like the conventional journey, right? Like I'm going to go on and look at a job board and I'm going to apply for 20 jobs and I'm going to do all my normal kind of what we expect the traditional candidate experience to look like. Like that's changed. We have a lot of data. We run an ATS, right? We have a lot of data about like what that candidate journey looks like in those touch points. And what seems to be interesting is nowadays, especially for the lower value roles, you know, like we look at this stuff often through the lens of hiring engineers because everyone knows how difficult that is. But there's a whole other pool of talent out there as well, right? Like what we're seeing is candidates go to the Indeeds and the Reeds and the Monsters and whatever. They'll apply for 25, 30, 50, however many jobs are available that fit their criteria, right? But they won't even look at the role. They won't look at the company because they're so used to not getting any response at all. And they're so used to being ghosted that they just literally will mass apply for everything without any discretion. Only when they receive the first acknowledgement, i.e. they've 
confirm they've received their application or someone's told them they're moving to the next stage in the process. Only at that point are those individuals actually investing and looking at the careers website, consuming the content of the employer brand, digging deeper into what their role actually looks like. They're not interested before that because it doesn't reward them to do so. And so what we're seeing is the organizations that are doing all the great stuff you're talking about, the inbound stuff, the content creation, the sort of longer term strategic stuff, they're actually able to repurpose that content and then drip it to those candidates already in funnel. So I've gone and clicked on 100 jobs. I've found the five that have actually bothered to respond to me. But what I don't need to do is go look through their rubbish career site for 10 minutes because in the email that says, hey, Nathan, thanks for applying for the job. Can't wait to meet you. Here's 10 things you should know about us. Here's three blogs you should read about the role. Like It's all there. You've Love already it. done it. right? And you can cross-pollinate all of this content that you're producing on this side of the equation and use it here as well. And that's really quite valuable because it should aid that transition. I think like we speak to lots of TA people who kind of understand and they've listened to you and they've read a blog or they've, and they go, I really want to do this, but my boss, my boss's boss, my boss's boss's boss isn't willing to make this investment. And as you said, it's going to take 12 months to build a brand. And like none of these things are true. And so I try and sell the, the change by saying, actually, this is going to help us do what we already do better as well. Do you see where I'm coming from? A hundred percent. And you know what? The, this play that you're talking about right now is when that candidate who's just blasted 50 CVs out to 50 different companies, when they come to decision-making stage and you've worked harder to give them more value and educate them, Mm -hmm. then their decision-making that that we're seeing at the moment, the data our side is telling us that their decision-making isn't then predicated on salary alone. Absolutely. They're happy to lose. If you know you're going to be happy, suddenly salary isn't the only thing at play. I don't think it is with a lot of people, but when you're comparing company A to company B and you're going on gut feeling... Like you can only like salary then has to come into play. Like how many conversations you had with friends where you go in, actually, I've got this opportunity, I've got this opportunity, this one's paying 60, this one's paying 65. Like, where should I go? And you're scrambling around going, I have no idea, mate. I have no idea what it's like to work there. Yeah. So go take the money and take a punt. That genuinely, that's just how people are, are, are feeling at the moment. And so if you can put all that content in front of them and, and give them a reason to join, then I actually think it will cost the company a lot less as well. That makes perfect sense. And I think there's so many takeaways here. The hope, I guess, from my perspective is people just listen and go start building this pipeline of content and do all the things that you've talked about and kind of crank all those levers. I think last question from my side, I guess, like how should people that are new to this space and these, we talked about this transition from recruitment to marketing, how should people that haven't done this before understand what content to produce in the first place? Like there's an infinite amount of stuff they could do. Where do they start? Yeah. So start with start with the biggest challenge, the biggest hiring challenge you've got in your business. For most companies at the moment, we're seeing that as tech hiring. Go and figure out the people that you need to hire. Hypothetically, they're, I don't know, UX designers. I would then start just on a very sort of light touch level to join UX communities on Facebook, Slack, wherever you can get them and just listen. Like just Mm -hmm. go and listen. I think most recruiters see all this group of people and go, oh, we've got a massive opportunity to just stick a job out in front of these people, these 4,000 people in the UX Slack community, when really they're just not engaged with that message. So go and listen to the things that they're talking about, and that will basically give you everything you need to go and create content because you're basically talking directly to the pains that they have at the moment. How do we do X? How do we execute Y? Who's faced this challenge in their career? And then go just simply ask the subject expert in your business to go and create events that, that that talk to these pains. That's how we did it. It wasn't complex. It wasn't overly scientific. We just listened to the audience and, and some of the challenges they had and, and, uh, and went and answered their questions. 
there's a great book by a guy called Marcus Sheridan, who basically just said, um, they ask, you answer. And it's that model. They ask the questions, you go answer them. And we're fortunate now that, you know, research into the market can happen without spending weeks and months going to having to set up calls and speak to people, dip into their communities, go listen to what they're talking about and create the content that answers their questions. Cool. And a great way to finish, right? Listen, educate first, ask later. I think very exactly. many recruiters very guilty of the reverse. So look, brilliant. Nathan, thank you so much for, for your time today. And I think everybody go check out Nathan's LinkedIn. There's a whole range of content that's awesome and really worth consuming on there. And, you know, keep, keep an eye on people pipe. I think for more great tales from the trenches and best practice people guidance, stay tuned to the talent revolution. We've got more episodes coming every other Tuesday. Go ahead and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, Nathan. And thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Tom.